Please be seated. And thank you for standing through that song. Thank you for the sacrifice you made tonight. The word sacrifice is another word that we throw around very commonly. So much so that it tends to lose its intended purpose. We say phrases like, he taught me all about real sacrifice. Those are the kind of phrases we use. We use phrases like, she sacrifices herself by bending over backwards. And so we water down the word sacrifice to mean those kind of things. A guy told his bride as they were getting married, honey, I give my life for you. And so after they got married and few years into the marriage, she got sick. Went to the doctor and they realized that they found out that she uh, had, uh, her kidneys were damaged, both of them. And she needed a kidney transplant as quickly as possible. So they started looking for a match. And they went and tested him and he had the right kidney for her. The kidney was the perfect match for his wife. The problem was, one of the kidney was good, and the other kidney that he had was not so good. And the doctor said that if you have to give a kidney, you have to give the good one. And so they are at the, uh, she's lying on the bed crying about this, he's crying about this, and she turned to him and said, honey, remember you promised that you would give your life for me? And he said to her, yes, I made a promise that I'll give my life for you, but I, I did not promise that I would give my life away for you. The promise was I would give my life for you, but not to give my life away for you. And he did not give her the kidney because it was a difficult decision from his standpoint to make. So, but when the Bible uses the word sacrifice, it is talking about giving up something very valuable in order to save something very precious. I'll say it again. Sacrifice, from the Bible's perspective, is for one to give out something that is very valuable to you so that you can save something that is very precious to you. And so that's the Bible's definition for it. And in tonight's meditation, we want to look at God as he deals with sin in our lives. From God's approach, we can see that sacrificial ceremonies have always been God's approach in dealing with sin. The first time we see this uh, is in, in the Bible is at the fall of Adam and Eve. When they sinned and fell from God's grace, the Bible tells us, tells us that they went and took fig leaves and they made for themselves covering. When God came on the scene, the Bible tells us that God took animal skins and covered them. Well, that was the first place where animal sacrifice took place. Something had to die so that something would live. And so from the very moment of man's 
fall in the Garden of Eden, God came up with a plan. And we have to understand that this plan was put in place long in eternity past. God did not scratch his head in the garden thinking, oh, what am I, what am I going to do now? What am I going to do now? But the plan was already there. And so he went ahead and slaughtered an animal, covered them with the skin, and used that blood to cover their sin. Didn't wash it away, but covered it. So in Genesis 3.21, it says, And the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and, and his wife and clothed them. What we need to understand about these sacrifices in the Bible is this. The thing a person that was sacrificed was always the innocent one. The innocent always became the victim in biblical sacrifices. The innocent always became the victim. The animal that was sacrificed had nothing to do with the situation that was going on. Animal had to, to lose uh, his or her life. Let me say his because it was the male animals that were being sacrificed for the covering of a particular sin. And so if it was an animal, the requirement was that it had to be with no blemish at all. And that's what we read in Leviticus 22, verse 20. It says, do not bring, God says, anything with a defect because it will not be acceptable on your behalf. What that meant is before an animal was sacrificed, they had to take that animal to the priest and the priest had to examine it and see uh, and, and declare it worthy for sacrifice before it was used. So when God told Abraham to take Isaac up the mountain and sacrifice him, one of the many thoughts that went through Abraham's mind, I know was, but why would God want to take the life of an innocent child? Why would God want to kill Isaac? He's only 12 years old. He's a lad. He ain't got anything to do with what's happening around here. Why would God want? I know he was thinking about that when he was taking his son up on that mountain. But God had a plan as Abraham took his son up there. But all of these sacrifices pointed to Jesus Christ. All of them pointed to Jesus Christ. God used that to express just what it felt like giving out his only son for the sacrifice of the world when he told Abraham, take your son up there and go and sacrifice him. God wanted Abraham to feel what he, God, would go through when he gave out his son to go on the cross and die. The Bible says when Abraham took Isaac and put him on the altar and picked up that knife, and threw it up in the air and was about to trust it into his chest. He heard a voice from heaven say, stop. God says, do not harm the lad. Look behind you, there is a lamb in there, in, in the thicket of the, the bush. The thicket means the head of the, the lamb was stuck in thorns. That is an image, an imagery of Jesus Christ going on the cross with thorns of crowns on his head. And Abraham took that animal and sacrificed it for the Lord. Also notice that God always 
choose defenseless animals for sin sacrifices. Never in the scripture where we find God taking a lion and telling him, get a lion and sacrifice it. They wouldn't do that because the lion would fight back. But God told them to take animals that would not fight back. So that's why we see sheep, lambs. We see the, 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 the he good. And those little animals that don't bite or do, don't have claws. And God used those animals to cover sin. That's a picture of Jesus Christ also. But in our readings tonight, we find all these characteristics in our suffering Savior. The first thing I want you to see is that the people brought these animals for atonement. Their animals in obedience follow their owner's will to get sacrificed. They followed the, the will of their owners. They didn't have no saying in it, but they just in obedience follow the owner's will to be sacrificed. Jesus was giving for atonement by the father, his father. And Jesus in obedience followed his father's will to be sacrificed. We read in Isaiah 53 verse 10, it says, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him. It was the Lord's will. The word Lord is talking about the Father, the Heavenly Father. It was the Lord's will to crush him, to crush the Son Jesus, all right, and, and cause him to suffer. The Lord makes his life an offering for sin. That's, Jesus, that's God the Father making Jesus an offering for sin. So it was the Father who took Jesus and crushed him for our sins. And that's why we read in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, that's the Father, that he gave his one and only Son, that's Jesus Christ, that whosoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. So the Father presented his Son as the offering for our sins. And Jesus willingly came and in obedience to the Father did this. That's why we read in uh, the prayer he prayed in the garden. He said in the prayer, uh, Father, take this cup away from me, right? That's the prayer he prayed. Let this cup pass. He says, but nevertheless, don't allow my will to be done. Let your will be done. So he yielded his will to that of the Father. In Ephesians 5, our second reading, verse 2, Christ willingly gave himself as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God the Father. That's what it tells us in the second reading this morning. And in the gospel reading, we see Mark 14, verse 53. Scripture says, they took Jesus. That was when they came to arrest him. They took him. But numerous times in the Bible, we read times when they tried to arrest Jesus. And the Bible says he would just slip uh, uh, through the crowd and they would not arrest him because it was not time yet. So nobody put their hands on him. Nobody was able to arrest him before it was time. But when it was time, the father himself told him, now it's time for you to be arrested. And in obedience, he allowed himself to be taken. So Jesus, the willing sacrifice, the willing lamb of God, was taken to be sacrificed. Notice also, those animals had no blemishes, as I said previously. 
Jesus had no blemish as well. In Isaiah 53, verse 4, it says, He took up our pain and bore our sufferings. Look at the word our, our, our in there. He took our pains, he bore our sufferings. The sufferings that Jesus went through, the pains that he had to go through, were not his pains, it were not his sufferings. They were ours that he took on himself. So Jesus Christ had no blemish. There was no reason for him to be killed. And so in verse 5, it says he was pierced. Hear the word again, for our transgressions. He was crushed, the word for our iniquity. So the purpose for Jesus dying was not for him, but he went on the cross for us to bear our sins. And it's the reason why we gather in here this evening to, to, to focus on these things during the season of Lent. Season of Lent should be a very peculiar time in the life of every Christian just to focus on what it meant for Jesus to go through this process. And this is our last week of looking at this thing. We're talking about the word sacrifice and seeing that the one that was placed on that cross was blameless. He had no reason, no need to do this, except for the fact that he had to go there for you and I because we could not do it for ourselves. And in Ephesians 5 verse 2, it says, he gave himself up for us. You see in the word for, for, that the reason Jesus went on the cross, scriptures let, letting us know, it was not because or for him, it was for us. He was blameless. There's another place in the Bible where it says, he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. In Mark 14, 55, it says that the chief priest and the horse hindering, that this is the high Jewish council, all right, were looking for evidence against Jesus so that they would put him to death. Let's listen to the next verse. But did not find any. Jesus was sinless. He was blameless. And, and, and the father looked at his son and saw that his son was a blameless lamb. And he said, this lamb is worthy for the sacrifice. And that his dying on the cross will redeem the world. In verse 56, the Bible says, many testify falsely against him, but their testimonies did not agree. See that? The testimonies did not agree. They were confused. They came out lying on Jesus. But when they put the testimonies together, they did, not come, they did not connect. So every effort that man tried to make to paint this Jesus as an unworthy person came back null and void. They had no, no claims against him. So God sent his son, his blameless son, his innocent son, to do the sacrifice for our sins. The last point I want to mention is those animals did not put up a fight when they were taken to be sacrificed. They did not put up a fight. Jesus did not put up a fight. In Isaiah 53 verse 7, it says he was oppressed and afflicted, yet did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his sharers is silent, he did 
not open his mouth. In Isaiah, I mean, in Ephesians 5, verse 2, it says, He gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. He gave himself up. He did not fight. Remember when they went to arrest Jesus in the garden? The Bible says Peter went and took up, took up the sword and cut out the ears of one of the high priest's officers or something. What did Jesus do? He told him to put back the sword, picked up the ear, and stuck it right back. He did not put up a fight because it was time for him to go and take on our lot. And so in Mark 14, 61, it says, Jesus remained silent and gave no answers. They were asking him questions. The high priest was like trying to tell Jesus, if you answer these questions and you answer it right, you might be set free. But later did the priest, the high priest know that Jesus had already been found guilty in the courts of heaven. And because that guilt, that, that verdict had already taken place in the eternity past, Jesus had no, no need to answer questions to anybody down here on earth. The decision for him to go on the cross was made up in heaven. And there was the time for that to happen, so he had no reason to be answering their questions. The high priest pushed further and asked him, are you the Messiah? Of course, yes, Jesus would answer to that. And he went, yes, I am. And he told him, he says, wait until you see the Son of Man seated on the right hand of the Father, coming down from the clouds in his glory. And the Bible said when Jesus made that comment, it was at that point that the high priest stood up and ripped his robe and said, this is blasphemy and blasphemy and we don't want to hear anything further. Let's take him and crucify him. And so Jesus was taken away. He died there so that we may live. And this is the emphasis of this evening's meditation. Jesus died there. Listen, so that we may live. His sacrifice was a dying sacrifice. That's the sacrifice Jesus went through. But we have a sacrifice that we are to make too. And our sacrifice, listen, is a living sacrifice. Jesus made the dying sacrifice so that we can have the living sacrifice. That's why he did that. He died so that we might live. He sacrificed himself and died so that we will live, sacrifice ourselves to living. The Bible says in Romans 12 verse 1, God says, I beg you. That's what that scripture means when you read, I beseech you, brothers and sisters. He says, I'm begging and pleading with you that you present your bodies as a what? Not dying sacrifice, but a living sacrifice. Because Jesus has already died. No more dying has to take place anymore. He has died. His blood was shed. The blood is placed on the mercy seat in heaven. It is there to make atonement for all of eternity. The blood never loses its power. It is strengthening. It gives strength from day to day to day to day. That blood remains. 
We don't need to do any more dying sacrifice because he did that final sacrifice. And since Jesus did that sacrifice, the Jewish people do not sacrifice animals anymore. They don't. And, and I don't understand the whole concept behind what, why they stopped because they're still waiting on the Messiah. If the blood of Jesus Christ doesn't wipe away sin, why did they stop slaughtering all those thousands of animals as they used to do before? See? But the one reason is because the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross has made the atonement for sin. And it is on that mercy seat in heaven right now. Remember when Jesus Christ resurrected from the grave. The Bible says that he met Mary and she was going to, to embrace him. He said, no, don't touch me yet because I have not ascended to the Father. You know what the priest did before going into the Holy of Holies to deliver the blood of the animals? You know what he had to do? He had to go through a ceremonial washing. And after he did the ceremonial washing, nobody touches him, nobody puts their hands on him until he goes into that Holy of Holies, make the blood deposit, comes out, now people can touch him. So Jesus was going to make that blood delivery in heaven. And Mary wanted to come and hug him, said, no, don't touch me. I've not ascended to the Father yet. And so he went up to heaven and took that blood and placed it in the mercy, on the mercy seat and then came back to earth. That's what Jesus did. And he put that blood there. That blood is what makes the atonement for our sins. When we gather in church on Sunday in corporate worship, and we confess our sins and seek mercy from the Father. He grants mercy. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. We are redeemed. And so, and so as we contemplate on the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior during this season of Lent, let us ask ourselves the question, now what? Now what? And the answer to that is found in Romans 12. And it tells us that Jesus Christ carried out a dying sacrifice so that we may carry out a living sacrifice, laying ourselves on the altar because Jesus laid himself on the cross. We lay ourselves on the altar and we become serviceable to the kingdom of God and we follow his will and we beat our bodies and put it under subjection and get rid of our ideologies and we let the Bible rest in our hearts and become the sole authority of who we are. And as we do those things, yes, it comes to the point where we understand what his sacrifice means to us. Pray that his words encourage our hearts. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.